Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Gus. Oh, he's got onions. Gus. He's got onions. Oh, oh. Rising. Sets up the big fella to light it up. Yes. He's got onions. Oh. Bill and Gus, thank you. We are live. Biggie's Barroom, week number five. It's amazing we started this five weeks ago. We've already grown so much just on Twitter and with listens and everything. We really appreciate everything you guys are handing out. Um, it was a great week of Biggie's College Basketball, and we're really excited to talk about it. Um, long week, kind of had a snowy, snowy fit past few days. I know we ended up with Sunday being a snow. Um, kind of a snow out on last Saturday and then Friday, the ice that never came in Connecticut at least. So quiet week around here, but not for Big East basketball. Ryan, how you doing this week? Hey Ty, how you doing? I'm a, it was a great week of ball. You had 11 games. Uh, most of the teams played two games. A couple played three. Uh, I feel like we got to see a lot of the teams and um, a little bit of movement, but also a lot of uh, teams delivering what you were hoping for. So yeah, definitely and, some stuff to talk about. And while I don't want to jump the gun to a later segment, I mean, at the end of the week, you still have five teams in the Big East ranked. You went in the week with five teams in the Big East ranked. You leave the week, and I know Big East teams like to pick on each other, but it's you know that's a really good thing for the Big East. It's a great thing for the Big East. We can discuss the merits of that uh, of those rankings oh, later, yeah. but we'll definitely get to that. Um, you got any housekeeping you want to talk about? No, just again, a big thank you. I mean, we we put up some polls this week, which we're, you know, we're still trying to figure out where we're, our footing is with Twitter. And we put out some polls this week. And to get 405, you know, people to vote in a poll, I know it's just clicking a button and it doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Um, we do appreciate that. We're still trying to continue to see where this is going to go. Um, we just started this as like kind of a passion project. Do it in March or February. We figured this is a good time to start it. Um, well, we really started in January, but now we're really building on something. Um, and to kind of have so much interaction with you guys and, you know, to have so much positivity. We're really appreciative of it. So keep it up. Retweet it. Like it. I don't I hate groveling and asking for people to do something. But all these retweets, all these likes, we're getting dozens and dozens of new followers every day. And that's how we're going to build this um, to something that hopefully we can be representative of the whole Big East. Yeah, sounds good. So, right, you want to talk about the week that was now? Yeah. I'm all out of sorts here. So, if I if you hear an awkward pause, it's just because I wrote down the games and what time they happen and what um the wrong order. So, you hear a pause today, everybody? It's because I'm waiting for Ryan to point at me. Um, so it I'm completely taking the blame to start. So, why don't you start us with game number one of the night, Ryan? All right, leading us off on the week, Creighton defeats number seventeen UConn fifty nine fifty five. This is the Ryan Hawkins-Isaiah Whaley game. Hawkins goes for 23 points, 11 rebounds. Alexander trips in 11 points, 3 assists for the Blue Jays. Isaiah Whaley for the UConn goes 20 points on 4 of 8 from 3. Very notable. RJ Cole goes for 13 points and 9 rebounds for the Huskies in the losing effort. Next up, you got Seton Hall visiting Georgetown. Seton Hall covers the spread or pushes with a minus 7. Seton Hall 70, Georgetown 63. For Seton Hall, you had... Jackson go for 21. Roden for 14. Kadari Richmond goes for 12, 8, and 7. For Georgetown, it continues to be the Eno Muhammad show with 14 points and 8 rebounds. And Kerry chips in for 15. But Seton Hall takes a win. Later in the night, number 15, Providence defeats St. John's 86-82 in a, in a good game. Jared Bynum goes for 19 points, 4 assists. Watson, 16. Horkler, 14. Al Durham, 14. Um, for the Johnnies... Leading the way was Pasha Alexander had 29 points and 12 assists. Aaron Wheeler goes for 16 points, staying hot. Butler visits Xavier later that night. Xavier squeaks out a win, 68-66. to 66. For Butler, Harris goes for 18 and Taylor goes for 18 off the bench. For Xavier, it was a very balanced effort. Six players did have five or more points in the game, but Zach Fremantle goes for 23 points, and that's really the story for Xavier as they squeak out a win. Later in the night, you have number 424. You have number 24, Marquette, defeating Villanova, 83-73. to Justin Lewis goes for 15 points and 9 rebounds. Tyler Kolick goes for 18 points, 6 assists. And the losing effort, Brandon Slater has 18 points, and Gillespie goes for 16 points and 4 assists. Switching over to Thursday, the Johnnies went and played at Georgetown. Johnnies 
they played in that smaller gym that I'm not 100% I should know the name of. Um, but the Johnny's win 90 to 77. Johnny's for get 14 points from Soriano and nine rebounds while Julian Champagne goes for 27 points starting his resurrection. Georgetown, 77 points. Carey with 23. And Caden Rice came off the bench and scored 20 for Georgetown in the losing effort. Moving over to Friday night. Seton Hall defeats Creighton, 74-55. to Kadari Richmond goes for 14 points, 7 assists. Jim, uh, Jameer Harris off the bench, 13 points, 3 of 6 from 3 for the Hall. Uh, leading for Creighton, O'Connell goes for 12 points, 7 rebounds. Nemhard, 11 points, 5 assists. St. John's went to play Butler later... And, oh, we're on the Saturday. See, I told you I was a little mixed up. Saturday at noon, St. John's went over to play Butler. St. John's gets plays and wins 75-72. to 72. Julian Champagne, you'll hear that name a little bit later, too. 21 points with Aaron Wheeler chipping in 13. For Butler, in a losing effort, Bo Hodges with 22 points and Brian Enzi with 14. Later that day, you have number 12, Villanova, defeating number 17, UConn, 85-74 to 74 in a game that was not that close. Eric Dixon goes for 24 points, 12 rebounds. Colin Gillespie, 19 points on 4 of 7 from 3. Leading the Huskies was R.J. Cole with 25 points and 4 assists. Tyrese Martin chips in 14 points and 3 assists. Later in the day on Saturday, DePaul visited Xavier, and DePaul gets to win 69-65. to McCauley has 21 points in the winning effort for DePaul with Terry chips in 13. Brandon Johnson with 12 points and 8 rebounds for DePaul. For Xavier in the losing effort, Paul Scruggs went for 21 points and 6 rebounds, while Jack Nungy continues his strong season going for 12 points and 7 rebounds. Moving to Sunday afternoon, the standalone game, number 15 Providence defeats Georgetown, 71-52. Jared Bynum, 32 points, 5 steals. Uh, Noah Harkler goes for 10 points, 11 rebounds. For Georgetown, Amina Muhammad chips in 18, Donald Carey 11. It was close up till half, but uh, Providence ran away with that one. And that's the week that was in the Big East. All right, we're, instead of going to a game of the week, because we don't have any buzzer beaters this week or anything like that, and while individual teams played well, we're hoping this will lead to it, <clears throat> more authentic discourse of what's going on. We're going to kind of just go in right into a stock up and stock down. So, Rye, you want to start us off with a stock down or stock up? Stock up, absolutely. My first stock up for the week is going to be Daryl Morcell. Uh, Marquette played one game this week, but it was Maybe the best win of the week, beating Villanova. Um, and it was a good game. They jump out to a big lead early. They smack them right out of the gate. Uh, Jay Wright has to call a timeout for Villanova before the first media timeout. I think that Marquette was up 10-2, to 10-4 to 4 at the time. And they kind of carried that into half. They were up 46-32 to 32 through the first half. Uh, but coming into the, out in the second half, Villanova goes on a 21-10 run. Uh, there's about nine minutes to go. When Daryl Morsell just takes over the game, this tells you everything you need to know about him. He goes on a personal 8-0 run against Villanova. Um, and here's the sequence. First time down the court, he realized he has Archie Diacono guarding him. Calls an iso. Takes Archie Diaco right into the paint. Hits a little Kobe Bryant-esque fadeaway jumper. Next time down the court, you can see Shaka Smart screaming at Daryl Morsell. I like to think he's saying, go get me a bucket. Daryl Morsell calls for the screen, gets the switch he wants onto Jermaine Samuels. Takes him off the bounce, ends up with a little fadeaway jumper, nails it. Back down to court, the exact same play. He figures Villanova can't stop me. And to finish up his 8-0 run, he uh, calls for a switch, gets Colin Gillespie on him and an empty side ball screen. Takes Gillespie into the paint on his back and hits a little turnaround floater. Um, you know, we've seen this before from Marquette. Justin Lewis is the best player on that team. That He averages the most points. Um, he's, he has the third highest usage percentage in the conference. He's going to go to the NBA. Daryl Morsell is the absolutely leader of that team. When Shaka Smart needs a bucket, he knows exactly who he's going to. He knows who, exactly who he trusts. And Daryl Morsell puts that team on his back anytime that they need to stop a run, anytime that they need points. Um, so it's just a lot of fun to watch. You know, I came away from watching that sequence thinking, man, I'm going to miss him when he leaves the Big East Conference. So I'm hoping maybe he'll use his extra year of eligibility. I believe he has. Uh, so that we'll get to see a little bit more of him. And if any NBA scouts are listening, which I'm sure they're not, you got to take a look at this guy, Darren Morsell, because he does it on both sides. He's an absolute winner. Um, he's just, I mean, he's a kind of, he's a culture guy. He's the kind of guy you want on your team. He's the kind of guy that other people want to follow. And so I just love watching him play basketball. Bad news for you. Darren Morsell, five years already. This is fifth year. So he has no more. So he's played, he played four at Maryland and he transferred to Marquette. 
Um, unless, I don't know, he could do a grad year maybe somewhere else because he technically, I think you can do six years. I'm not even sure oh. all the roles that you can do. Hey, come to stores. Yeah, Connecticut, UConn could really use you, but there are more cell gives Marquette an identity. Um, I think it'll be hard to overstate or understate, or I think it'd be hard to overstate exactly what he's brought to them. Uh, the culture that Shaka Smart brought in. Daryl Morsell likes playing defense, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year coming into last year. And with a young team, it can be hard to get them to buy in defensively. Um, and I think Shaka and Daryl Morsell together have really given that team an identity. So I think that's a great stock up. God, watching that game, you just can't help but think this team is completely bought into what Shaka Smart says. I oh, mean, yeah. they, they celebrate deflections the same way you celebrate game-winning you know, dunks. Yeah. You know, Greg Elliott's hands are all over the place all the time. I've mentioned him before in these podcasts. He had a big deflection late in the well, second What do they want, 35 a game or something like that? 32, or 32. I believe. I mean, the, the way, I think that's a great way to put it. The culture that Shaka Smarts came in and brought there is just, I mean, you, you just don't see that. Um, and the fact, you know, if I'm watching Shaka Smart, if I'm Texas, first of all, I'm like, what did I do? Because yep. Texas should be able to recruit better than Marquette. And second, I'm thinking every big team that has an opening, I would be, not that Marquette's not a big opening, not that Big East, but if I, like, Duke yeah, or something, schools, yeah. you know, if I'm looking at something like that eventually, I know Duke has some successors lined up, but I'm just, I would be looking at Shaka Smart because he brings just an identity to a team, and I would want to go play basketball for him because that guy looks like a lot of fun. He looks like you can still be yourself, but, you know, yeah. buy into the thing. I mean, he's all over the court, slapping the court, screaming at his players, like I mentioned, screaming up more to sell. Um him and Morsell are just a hell of a duo out there, and I'll tell you, I would not want to see them in my bracket when it comes tournament time because those guys play to win. Yeah. And uh, segueing into my stock up, the people who are playing to win who hadn't been, I'm going to go Seton Hall with my first one. Um, Seton Hall, I'm going to do it for two reasons. One, every game that they play, they have to somehow be closer to getting Bryce Aiken back. So every single game that they're managed to win now is a game you're closer to getting Bryce Aiken back. And I know that this week... They went in and they only had to, they played Georgetown and Creighton and they're probably looking at that on the schedule. Creighton thing is a hard game, especially after they just beat UConn. Um, and they're you know Seton Hall thinking they got to win two games and they do. They do exactly what they need to against Georgetown. It was a get right game. That's what I've been saying. And Kadari Richmond, Kadari Richmond might look back on this and not say thank you that Bryce Aiken got hurt because we're obviously not rooting for that. But he's really kind of stopped turning the ball over every other possession. He's averaging about you know twelve eight and eight a game over this week. Um, I just really like what Seton Hall's about. I still think they're really talented. I think kind of like uh, some other teams that if you get your best player injured, that you have to figure out other ways to win. And when that best player comes back, it can either help you or it can you know, disrupt you. And I think Jared Roden's still their best player, but Bryce Aiken is the heart of that team. He's kind of the Daryl Morsell of their team where he brings an identity to that team when they play. Um so I just really like what Seton Hall did this week. And again, I also like it because you're just passing days on the calendar. And Bryce Aiken will eventually be back and ready to go. Um, and I think that, you know, they're going to be a better team for it when he comes back. Yeah, and it's nice to see Seton Hall's depth step up a little bit. I think we highlighted that in a previous episode. You got Trey Jackson going for 21 points in the Georgetown game. Jameer Harris going for 16 point, 13 points excuse me, in the Creighton game. Um, they needed that. They needed the guys off the bench to step up. Tyree Samuel scored 11. Harris scored 13 off the bench in this uh, Creighton game on Friday, too. Because it was increasingly looking like the Roden and Aiken show, and that's just not going to get you a lot of success in March. And Creighton came off that massive win against UConn, and they were probably riding high for them to go to Seton Hall, and they probably thought they you know, had another win yeah. after they just beat UConn on the road. Um, and you know, beating him by 19 points. This Jameer Harris impressive. guy has been stroking out there yeah. for Seton Hall. He goes 3-6 in the C- in the Creighton game. I don't know what he's shooting over the last five games. I'd love to see that. But um, he's been really nice. Kadari Richmond, seven assists in both games. You know, if he could keep that up, he'd be the leading assist man in the conference. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good stock up. I think it, it, that's nice for the Hall to figure out their um, – Whatever issues they were going through. Yeah, whatever's going on with them. So who do you got for your first or your second stock up? Because we're going to try to do two stock ups today. We got two stock ups today. My second stock up is Jared Bynum. And what a hell of a week he had. And um, it goes into uh, a little bit of last week when he hits the game winner. But this week we got to talk about 19 points, four assists for St. John's. Some huge points down the stretch. Then fouls it up with 32 points, seven of eight from three, 27 in the second half against Georgetown. Um He's been incredible. He has brought a whole new dimension to this Providence team. Uh, he's basically their starting point guard. Now, he's not actually starting, but he plays 35 minutes a game, as he should, because, I mean, listen to those numbers. Um, 
And he's letting Al Durham play off the ball, which I really like for Durham. I think that gives him a little bit more versatility, a little bit of ability to uh, to slash and drive um, easier and not get picked up at, at half court. Um, you know, that Providence team is scary when you have, you know, one through five just, I mean, they look, you know who they remind me of? Uh, Big East fans might not know this one too well, but the Ohio State team last year. Yeah. We're just Kyle every, Young coming off the bench. Every player knows their role. Every player yeah. excels at their role. Justin Manaya is one of the best defenders in the country. Noah Horkler is one of the best stretch fours in the country. Nate Watson is one of the best pure fives in the country. Yeah. Um, so they're just rolling. And yeah, yeah I, want, I think St. Hall should look at that team and think, Bryce Aiken, you know you're the point guard. Ike Obiaga, you have one job, block shots. Miles Kale, you're our stretch. Like, they could they got to look at Providence as kind of what they want to be because with all due respect, I think Providence is really talented. I think they're really good. But Jerry Roden and Bryce Aiken are probably the two best players. Nate Watson's the best player, to be clear. But Bryce Aiken and Jared Roden are, like, just as talented as anyone on that team. Probably uh, probably more talented, and Providence just plays its role so well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you just got to give a ton of credit to Ed Cooley out there because yeah. um, half of those guys are – uh, transfers, Horkler's a transfer, Durham's a transfer, yeah. Bynum's a transfer. Manai's a transfer. Manai's a transfer. Bynum, uh, Watson's been with them all four years. But Five, I think, Watson. This yeah. is his fifth. Um, but he's he's doing a hell of a job out there, and you want to talk about Shaka Smart getting people to buy into the culture, and Cooley has everybody buying into yeah. their roles right now. Um, and so that they look like they're just rolling. And they, you know, they ran into some trouble in Georgetown. They were down three points at, in the second uh, at halftime. Jared Bynum comes out and hits for 27 points in the second half. Takes yeah. care of business. Um, if, if nobody else on Providence scored in the second half other than Jared Bynum, they would have won by two points. Yeah. So, I, I again, we are talking about, like, and but at any given time, someone on Providence steps up and does that. Um, for all those who couldn't sleep tonight, no, not knowing what Jameer Harris was shooting, I'm a little slow on the computer right now. Over his last four games, 48% from three on six attempts. So that's really good. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's going through one of the hottest shooting streaks of anybody over four games in the conference. Um, Other than Jared Bynum, which is another great. <laughs> but they should keep getting him the ball. I agree. Get, keep getting Jared Bynum the ball. Keep getting Jameer Harris the ball. We can't say enough good things about Providence. We'll touch on them a little bit later um, when we do a little mock who's a coach of the year. But um, Ed Cooley's name has to be in the national you know, contender for coach Absolutely. of the year right now. Um, so I'm going to go with my second stock up, and I'm going to go with the Johnnies. You know, the Johnnies came into this week. They had three games. Um, every game for the Johnnies is so important. Um, they're probably going to have a really hard time getting that large bid. They're 5-6 and six in the conference, 13-9 and nine overall. I think they have to really string together some impressive wins. But And they come out and they lose on um, Sunday t- or Monday to – can't even get my days straight. Tuesday to Providence. Um, it was a very good game. Providence – or. The Johnnies came back. Pop, Alexander played really well down the stretch with 29 points, 12 assists. Johnnies actually had to lead with about two and a half minutes to go. Yeah. Um, like a great back and forth, and they lost, and you're like, all right, this just isn't the Johnnies year. And I, I will say, you know, I can't give them, you know, all the credit in the world because they did play Georgetown and they did play Butler. But you have to win those games. And why I'm giving them my stock up on a two-in-one week, Julian Champagne, the previous four games before the last two games, so go back six games ago and then count forward, six, five, four, three, two. This is what he was, he was shooting 27%, which you'd say, you know, that's a bad stretch. Maybe he's just not shooting a lot. Maybe small sample size. He was taking 12 shots a game. He was shooting very, very poorly. If my terrible math is correct, that's about making three of 12 a game. Almost exactly. He was um, scoring seven points while turning the ball over two and a half times. So pretty much you could argue unplayable, pretty much a negative, which is weird because we've seen Julian Champagne and we've never thought he is a a negative player at any time. The last two games shoot, are scoring 24 points a game on 40% shooting while turning the ball over at the same clip. He's, he showed up. It's nice to see him back. Again, him and Posh Alexander are as good of a one-two in the Big East as anybody. I would I got to see that what this is going to happen or what's going to happen with them. I mean, but you don't want to see them in the Big East tournament because they play a weird style of basketball. I mean, it's interesting to watch. They want to give up a layup or they want to get a layup almost every single possession, it seems. Me and my buddy are watching that at the bar and we're like, there's like, do they always play like this? I was like, always. They've developed Aaron Wheeler from a mm-hmm. bench play, bench piece who was at Purdue last year. Purdue last year um, into a 15-point-a-game scorer. I mean, they, what they've done is can't be um, – Understated. They're leading the Big East in steals per game. I mean, 
you play them and they're hot and Champagne and Alexander, their shots are falling, um, you're going to look at this week as like what the beginning of it was because Julian Champagne finally is back. He's, you know, yeah. quadrupled how many points a game he's been scoring. And we knew that Champagne and Alexander were going to be there. I yeah. mean, Champagne was going through a rough stretch, but at the end of the day, that guy is one of the top four or five players in the conference, and he's going to play like that. He did it all last year, and yeah. he's going to come out of that slump. We know what Posh Alexander can do, 29 points, 12 assists against Providence. It's a hell of a game. Yeah. Um, what they were lacking earlier in the season was a three through five, three through eight, whatever you want to call it. Now they have Aaron Wheeler at least in the three spot. You got Wheeler and, you know, Soriano chips in with almost a double-double against Georgetown. Johnny's Twitter says Aaron Soriano is the best 20-minute through 15-minute player in the first half in Big East basketball. So I got to see the stats on that. But yeah. he does seem to come out and have about two powerful dunks and a block. And then Well, they do go to ISO post a lot. They did, I believe they went to ISO post against UConn as their first play of the game. Um which is, a, you know, a classic. Only you would know that, right? Inside out kind of look that, the you know, a lot of teams will go with is try to get ISO yeah. posts as your first look. Um, you know, Dylan Adaiwusu had had good games earlier in the season. He went through a terrible stretch. He's coming off the bench again, or at least a couple times this week. I'm not sure if that's a permanent um, situation. It seems like Anderson has a lot of um, flexibility with his starters because he sits posh sometimes and it's like, and not that I think that, you know, I think everything makes sense there and Posh plays starter minutes, but he'll just switch it up. He put Wheeler in the starting lineup and Wheeler continues yeah. to be really good. Um, but, you know. But I Wusu's minutes are down some. He was averaging nearly 30 and now he's down to about 20 uh, over the last few games. Yeah. Um, Coburn, you know, had looked nice at the beginning of the year. Kofi. <laughs> Tariq Coburn had looked nice at the beginning of the year. Steph Smith has had his moments. They got to find out who's going to be their three, but... Um, you know, have a one, two, four, five. You yeah. know, kind of locked in at this point is a nice look for them, and definitely makes them dangerous going forward. All right, let's go with the want, want. Let's go with a little stock down. Right, you started off stock down, so I'm going to start off or stock up. So I'm going to start off stock down to get my negatives out of the way early, so no one remembers them. So go ahead, Ty. Um, and my first stock down is just going to touch on because this team absolutely smacked UConn, um, and Ryan's going to get into that a little bit more. Um, it wasn't really a nine-point game. I'm going to put Nova, and only for two reasons. One, I need to know if Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore are healthy because if both of them are not healthy, Villanova's chances are you know, a lot worse. They could still compete in the Big East, but they're, they're obviously not the same team. And you watch that lead dwindle from about a 21-point lead to about 11 points against UConn down the stretch. Um, some of it is, you know, just at the end of the game, sometimes games get closer because one team is trying not to foul, whatever. But the health of Colin Gillespie's ankle, it was a gross injury. He turned it, um, but he did come back out and he was looking like he's jogging on it. So I'm hoping he can play again. And just more, same thing. So I'm just going to hit stock down for Nova for that, that first reason. Then the second reason is I think Nova is the class of the Big East still. I know that Providence fans are, you know, are, you know, pretty high on their team and they have every right to be. But you lost to Marquette twice. You lost to Marquette at home. And, and you know, Nova fans kind of chalked it up to a fluke. They chalked it up to, we just, you know, Marquette's a good team. They're, they're going to win some games. But, you know, Nova kind of had the chance to say, you know, you're still a little brother. We can put you back down. You know, we're, we're going to split. And, you know, no one would have really thought anything of it. And Marquette comes out and beats him, puts up 83 points on the best defense in the Big East, um, at least points per game-wise. So... I just I just need to see a little bit from Nova. I don't think it's a big stock down, especially with what you're about to hit with with your stock down. Um, and I'm gonna hit with later. But I do. If Gillespie and Moore are healthy, I think I would have just avoided them on this. But with lo- uh, losing Gillespie and Moore and um, losing to Marquette for a second time, I yeah have to just think that they're just trending a little bit downward. Yeah, I agree. I think it's more of a stock concern than a stock down at the yeah. moment. Um, you're just wondering- we're paying attention to it. But, you know, Marquette exploits their weaknesses really well. You know, Villanova is not a very long team. They're not a super athletic team. That's exactly what Marquette is. Yeah. Um, Marquette is able to, you know, deflect the ball and steal the ball. And they, what they love to do is deny entry passes because they have so much length on the perimeter. So Villanova has a tough time getting it into the perimeter to Dixon, who they love to feed the ball to. Um, so I agree. I mean, then they went and took care of business against UConn. So it, it's kind of... Could go either way, but as my brother has informed me, they call this in the business a segue. So my stock down is going to be UConn. UConn goes 0-2 this week. The only two other teams in the Big East to go 0-2 this week, Butler and Georgetown. That's not the company UConn wants to be in. Um, And it was really, they would beat 
in, in, in different ways, um, against Creighton, they score 55 points. They only give up 59, but their offense is anemic. Against Villanova, they score 74 points, but they give up 85. Um, but I think I actually think there's some similarities about how the coaches schemed them because the immediate idea for both McDermott and Wright was to attack the big men. Um, on offense in the Creighton game, they played off Isaiah Whaley the entire game. They used uh, Hawkins. They put Hawkins in the middle of the lane. Isaiah Whaley's catching the ball, and he's probably 10, 15 feet from Isaiah Whaley. Just d- daring him to shoot the whole game long. Um, basically telling Hurley, you can't play Sonogo and Whaley at the same time because one has to space and neither of them can hit a shot. Um, However... No, we, we have to give credit to Isaiah Whaley, who does go 4 of 8 from 3 in that game, leads the team in scoring. Uh, but clearly, yeah. I mean, he passed up more shots than he took. He could have shot 25 threes from that game. I don't think McDermott was going to change the uh, scheme there. Um, but what it did do is it really quieted down Adama Sonogo. They had a really tough time getting the ball to him in the paint. And RJ Cole didn't have much freedom to uh, shift around in the pick and roll, get into the lane where he finishes so well, especially recently. So I thought that was just a master class in how to scheme um, a personnel where you have two big guys who can't shoot. And then in the Villanova game, what they do right out of the bat is they go and get the big guys in foul trouble. Um, Jay Wright, he gets two fouls on Sonogo. I believe this is a sequence. Then he gets one foul on Whaley, draws up a play just to get the ball to, to Dixon in the paint with Whaley on him, draws the second foul. Um, at that point, Hurley has to go to Sampson. Samson Johnson. Samson Johnson, thank you. I believe I counted, I looked, he had played seven minutes in Big East play up till that point. Now he's playing in the first ten minutes against Villanova. Um, so they were in a bad way right off the start. And Eric Dixon just put everybody through a blender, even after they brought Whaley and, and Sonogo back out. He goes for 20, 24 points, 12 rebounds. That's his career high. He got them every which way in the post. I mean, he took a couple guys off the bounce. I didn't know he had that in his game. Um, but I think that the game was, uh, they, they were all a little disjointed. And, the you know, the interior defense just was not there. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to touch on with UConn here. Um, when they lost to Creighton, you know, I was in the building and it was, I don't, I don't want to make excuses because Creighton, I mean, there's one where Hawkins hits the heel and it goes all the way up and hits the rim and goes all the way down. There are a few like plays like that where it's just like, and that happens with every college team. Like there's just not going to be your night. Unfortunately, when you have Villanova and you want to be one of the top 25 teams in the country, you can't lose a game like that, especially at home, especially when Ryan Cockbrenner rolls his ankle in the first few minutes of the second half. I mean, you di- they were playing without Cockbrenner, and they were undersized. I mean, Sonogo's got to go to work there, and they couldn't get him the ball. Whaley, to his credit, shoots 4 of 8 from 3. I'm not 100% sure what else you do in that situation, and except how Whaley to shoot it 25 times. Yeah, I, I think, in my opinion, Hurley had to either decide right then, can Whaley hit that shot, or do I need yeah. to pull him out of the game? Because wh- Hurley was clearly telling Whaley, don't shoot that ball. Yeah. Um. And, and so Whaley's hesitating. He's looking around every time he catches the ball wide open. It was almost comical how wide open he is. Yeah. It was like it was it was laughable at sometimes. And I mean, good for McDermott. I mean, UConn couldn't hit another shot. Um. The Nova thing. This is where I'm going to go after Hurley a little bit. I mean, we've been saying all year to each other. So not don't try to find it on the podcast. But um, Hurley didn't play freshman. Hurley decided that Jordan Hawkins is the only freshman he's going to play. We have Russell Diggins, who's a four star recruit, and we have Samson Johnson, who's a four star recruit. Um, and he didn't play either of them in games where they were blowing teams out. He did not play Samson Johnson. I don't think they've played double-digit minutes all year, or if they have, it's barely in it. It's um, in his out-of-conference, you know. They might have done but, it against CCSU. But I, but I don't even think they played. That's my issue, that they didn't do this even in blowouts. They just played Georgetown, and they blew them out by 20. They beat Butler by 20, and they refused to play Samson Johnson. And here's what I'll say about Samson Johnson. He came in. He got destroyed by Eric Dixon on back-to-back plays, but then it looked like by the third or fourth play he had settled down. UConn's depth was supposed to be the strength of this team. A cook gets hurt, he brains his foot, but you haven't played him right all year too. He's been, I, again, I'm not at practice, I'm not trying to sit here and say I know better than what, you know, Dan Hurley, but you got it down to you only have two big men, basically, that you're willing to play. You're playing Tyler Polly at the four, where he is at best a three, you know, he was playing the two last time a lot last year, um, and you have him playing the four. It's just not going to work. And, you know, I what frustrated me the most was seeing Samson Johnson actually get, like, back-to-back stops on Eric Dixon. And I was like, oh, if he just had a little more experience, maybe he'd be all right. Um, UConn makes that game closer when Gillespie comes out. But Villanova played the last eight minutes of that game without their two best players. And you lost by 11. 
to you know, and I'm not saying Vill- Villanova probably is going to beat almost everyone at home. Sorry, Providence Mar- and Marquette fans, you can brag as much as you want, but they're going to probably beat almost everyone at home this year. And I'm not trying to say that it's not they shouldn't have lost, but they they didn't fight. And what again, what's also frustrating is Whaley and Sonogo when they were in the game, either one of them, their plus minus was minus one. UConn lost by one point when either way Lear Sinogo was in the game, which means they lost by 10 points when they weren't in the game. Yeah, they just couldn't keep them on the floor. I thought that was a great move by Wright. Yeah. To, you know, obviously it's hard to game plan for that ahead of time because you don't know who's going to pick up an early foul. But once he saw it, he uh, immediately took the ball into the post, got a couple fouls. Yeah. Um, I don't think the game was as close as no, goodness, the final no, score. No. Um, I remember at one point Brandon Slater is sprinting back from the other side. Diving on the floor. Up 20 okay. points. Because they turned the ball. He turned the ball over, sprinted back, dove through Jordan Hawkins to get it. But, you know, that actually ended up coming to Klosnova a little because Gillespie's playing hard up 20 in the last yeah. eight minutes and he sprains his ankle. So, again, hope he's okay. UConn's got a lot to work to do. They, I mean, they have a big week coming up. We'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, really ugly week for them. My, my second stock down is a team that I think is kind of thinking similarly to UConn. They're ranked right next to each other. Xavier. So Xavier, basically, they go and they play Butler. Um, they win by two, which is, you know, again, I think one of the things we need to normalize in the Big East, and just maybe we can be a voice of reason, your team is going to lose a game you think they should win. Mm-hmm. That's going. This conference is too damn good. Georgetown probably is going to get a win in conference this season. I'm knocking on wood, but it's very rare to have a Power 6 team not win a game in conference. And Georgetown's going to beat a team that they have no business beating. Butler is a, not a terrible team. They're 11 and 12. They have six returning seniors or super seniors. I'm not, I think you, Xavier needs to get credit for just winning a game. It's what we've been saying about Providence all year. You win a game, you keep it moving. What makes it more concerning is they, they then play DePaul at home and they lose. Um, so now you start to look at a trend that's going on here. They played an awful first half against Creighton um, last week. They came back and won. So they had they played one amazing half of basketball recently. Um, and, you know, I, I think Xavier has too much talent to lose games like this. Paul Scruggs, Jack Nungy, and Zach Fremantle um, should not be losing to a DePaul team that's missing their best player. Again, I think we need to normalize. Your team's going to lose to somebody you think they should beat. UConn just lost to Creighton. I mean, look at Marquette's losses earlier in the year. Villanova lost to Creighton by 20 points. I mean, your team's going to lose. Um, and we don't need to overreact too much. But I do think Xavier, I think kind of in a similar breath to Nova where they go one-on-one in a week. Xavier goes a little bit down um, for me. I don't think it's panic time. Xavier's still a tournament team. They're still probably a six or seven seed in the tournament. Um, similar in the Elk to UConn. But it is... You know, we got to start looking, why are we losing games when Paul Scruggs, Jack Nungy, Zach Fremantle, Colby Jones are on the court? You know, one thing that's not getting talked about enough is Nate Johnson, who's just going through the worst slump. He started off the season as the best three-point shooter in the conference. Um, you know, he combined for four points this week. He had four in the Butler game. He went for zip in the DePaul game. He only shot three shots. One of them was a three-point shot. He went 0 for 5 in a Butler game from three. Um you know, they got to figure out what they need to do to get him right. He was in the Virginia Tech game, in the out of conference game, he took over the game. He went for 30 points. He carried the team. And he um, shot really well against Creighton. He shot five of seven. He but- did. And, we, and I remember last week I said that maybe he's coming out of his slump. But clearly, he's not all the way out. And uh, it's going to be really hard for them to go anywhere if Nate Johnson's not yeah, playing he, the way we know he can his play. His last um, eight games, he's shooting 29% from the field, 25% from three. Yeah. I mean, so, about his, and he's shooting four a game. He's he's jacking up a few games. So, Nate Johnson needs to turn around. He was shooting 50% from three, I think, when out of conference ended. He was one of the best shooters in the whole country. And I want Xavier to be better. So I And I hope that they are better because I think it's better for the Big East. All right, let's quickly go over the week that's coming up. Tuesday, we got Marquette playing UConn at the XL Center. Nova playing the Johnnies. Butler at Creighton. Wednesday, we got Xavier playing Seton Hall. Georgetown traveling to play DePaul. We don't have a game Thursday, so skipping to Friday, UConn's playing Xavier. Saturday, we have a four-game Big East lineup. Creighton playing Georgetown. Seton Hall going to play Nova. Marquette playing Butler. DePaul at Providence. And on Sunday, UConn steals Providence's day that they've had over the last few weeks. UConn is going to play in the Johnnies. So I'm going to go first for my game of the week. I'm going to go with Xavier versus Seton Hall. Um, That's on Wednesday. Xavier is kind of trending, kind of neutral, but going down a little bit. And Seton Hall's trending up. They got two important wins this week. Um, I would like to see what Xavier comes out with. You know, I think that Xavier's 
obviously so talented. I hope to God that Brace can play at that point. Um, if he can't, I'm interested to see if Seton Hall can kind of keep this role going. You know, they've had different guys step up and different things happen. So I like that matchup a whole lot. I think it's two teams that should be tournament teams, but also things could go backwards and neither one of them make the tournament. So who are you going to go with for your game of the week? I'm going to go with the first game of the week, number 18 Marquette at number 24 UConn. I think that's going to be a really good one. Um, UConn's the only – UConn and Providence are the two last teams to beat Marquette since Marquette started 0-3 in conference play. Marquette's been red hot and beat just about everybody else. Um, and that's probably UConn's second or third best win of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're two very similar teams. They both have similar defensive structures. They use the same ball screen defense. Um, they're both defense first coaches. Um, you know, Marquette is just red hot still. They recover from that Providence loss and just beat Villanova. UConn's trending the opposite way. So Marquette's going to be looking for the season split, and UConn's desperate for the yeah. season sweep. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it, it's a real resume booster if UConn wins that game. But, I mean, Providence, and Providence can kind of live without it, but Providence wants to say, no, 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 no. That, like, that was a fluke that you beat us without Darren Morsell at the beginning of the year. He had that no, non-COVID uh, illness. He was sick. He missed um, the first game. And they beat... You said Providence? UConn. UConn beat Providence. Okay. UConn beat Marquette at the beginning of the year without Darren Morsell. All right, all right. They beat him by eight. But yeah, and they beat him at Marquette. So, yeah. so you know, what, you carry the one, whatever. I mean, you don't, you're not sure, but... Uh, UConn's just desperate for this one. UConn's no? desperate for a win, and Marquette's desperate to kind of just... Not desperate, but Marquette wants to just be like, nope, sorry, we're, so, we're yeah. the third best team in the Big East. Absolutely. I think that game, and I, we can talk about this a little later. I know what we put out a poll. Um, I think that game is going to be for who's the third best team in the Big East right now. Um, but you want to go over the rankings quickly? Yeah, let's do the rankings. So we have Providence going from 15th to 11th. We have Villanova falling from 12th to 15th. Marquette going up the biggest jump this week from 24th to 18th. We have UConn with the biggest drop going from 17th to 24th. And Xavier sitting right next to them going from 21st to 25th. Biggest takeaway? I'm going to go biggest takeaway about time on Providence. Um... I, I think you could sneak them into the top 10, but I think this is at least respectful of them finally. Um, you know, 15th was not fair to them last week. And, you know, this week their wins weren't as impressive, St. John's and Georgetown. So it kind of makes up for it. I'm happy to see them up at 11. I'd love to see them 10, 9. Uh, but, um, you know, it's finally a little national respect for them. Yeah, and my biggest takeaway is just, you know, I think that UConn dropping, I think UConn has every right to not be in the top 25. I think... That Auburn win at the beginning of the year is still carrying a lot of weight every time Auburn wins. Um, I don't know how rightfully so that is. They're two completely different teams. You change so much. Um, I think UConn's win against more Marquette without their Morsell. But UConn's kind of only beat the bottom dwellers in the Big East. And I, I love UConn. Like, that is my team through and through. But they beat DePaul. They beat Butler twice. They beat Georgetown. They beat St. John's. They haven't beat... They you know, beat Marquette. Other, they beat Marquette without their Morsell. So, uh, you know, they're getting in the gauntlet of their schedule, and we're going to kind of see if they're contenders or pretenders. They play three, two time, three times this week, and if UConn doesn't go 2-1, and one, they won't be ranked, and they'll be getting closer and closer to a bubble team. I don't think we're really even approaching that yet. But you go 1-2 and two this week, you can absolutely be, be, yeah, be close. I, I don't think they should be ranked after that week. That was a pretty pitiful week, especially because Creighton then goes and loses their game. So it's not like they're helping no. um, the way that looks. The metrics love UConn. Uh, for whatever reason, as you were allu- you said earlier, we're still above Providence. Oh, yeah. Well, Providence is ranked as the sixth best team according to Ken Palm. Oh, in okay. the Big East. It's, oh, uh, in the Big okay, yeah. okay. No, in the not Big East. Nationally. No, not nationally. It's Nova, then UConn. Um, forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. You guys probably are reciting it right now. But Nova, UConn, Marquette, Xavier, and then Creighton? Seton Hall, maybe? Yeah. It, I don't know. It's something like that. So. Um, maybe it's not Ken Palm or it's net or something. Um, but I did just see that the other day that they are, you know, I th- people say it all the time. I think the metrics are interesting. I think we should look at them, but I think if, if something about them does not match the eye test so severely, like they are not matching with Providence, we should throw them out. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a sport watched by humans, not machines. So yeah, seeing Hall's 35th and Providence is one, two, three, four, five. Oh, they have Marquette. They have Providence's fifth in the net. Okay. Um, fifth Big East team in the net. Yeah. No. So, I mean, again, that doesn't match the eye test. I can only really rank them behind 
Nova if I'm like if that's the only team that's in discussion for me right now. I agree. Um so I do want to kind of get into just some things that I wanted to. Again, we had such a thing <laughs> I guess things I want to do is not a podcasty. But we had such good success with these polls actually. I really just kind of wanted to talk about them. You guys took time out of your day to do this. Um so I wanted to first start with if you had to pick right now who is the coach of the year in the Big East? I mean, it's just a dead even race between Shaka Smart and Ed Cooley, in my opinion. Um, you know, yeah, I think those are the only two candidates. You know, Jay Wright's great, and he's got his team doing what they do, but they're pretty much matching expectations. It's not below expectations a little bit. A lot of people have them as a top 10 team because they returned Samuels and they returned Gillespie and, you know, Justin Morris developing in such a Slater was supposed to be their best player at certain points. Um, so I think it's just a, it's a two dog race, Cooley and Smart. Um, but no, I'm putting gun to your head. Who are you picking? Right now? Who do I think deserves it? Or no, no. Ryan Cat Ryan, not saying your last name on there. Ryan, um, you have to pick a team that is the best team or the coach of the year. You are on the board right now. I'm giving it Shaka Smart. I mean, they're so far outperforming. And goodbye, all Providence fans. Well, we love At least I love Ed Coolier, and I'm trying to give him as much respect as I can. But at the, you know, Shaka Smart is a first year coach in a program that was one of the worst programs in the Big East last year that didn't return any of those players. Uh, he built this team from nothing with transfers and a couple freshmen and Greg Elliott. Um, and this team, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, they've just completely but Didn't Providence in. just do the same thing? They built their team from the ground with Nate Watson and a bunch of transfers. Yeah, but Nate Watson's different than Greg Elliott. And yeah, but Ed Cooley recruited Nate Watson. That's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but this is a multi-year... Um, project you, for Ed Cooley. Do you think if Marquette didn't lose the... This is my take right now. Mar, if Marquette went 2-1 and one in the first three games of the Big East, nobody would talk about it. It's because they went 0-3 and, and we kind of buried them that their rise has been crazy where Providence has just won every game since the beginning of the year pretty much. No, I completely disagree. Uh-huh. Because Marquette was picked as one of the last teams in the Big East preseason. Um, you know, I think that starting off 0-3 just made it more surprising when they completely turned it around. But... I think that Chaka Smart just deserves so much credit. I think that he's completely changed that Marquette team and culture in one, in not even a full year. Um, so he'd be my coach of the year. The preseason coaches poll had Providence seventh, Marquette ninth. So that is fair. That is a fair reminder that Providence was not ranked highly. I th- and I think the reason that we don't think because their ascension has just been so steady that that because they just kept winning and they just kept winning and they just kept winning. Where Marquette's ascension was like we got blazing hot. Like, I think that was the difference. But they've between stayed the two. blazing high. We've I, been saying that for three weeks. I, oh, I know. They've stayed. But but then what has Providence done? They All they've done is go 20-2. Go so they've been blazing out since the beginning of the season. It's not just three weeks. Yeah. I just think it's it's more noticeable because of how poorly they started in Big East play than what Providence did where they just never stopped. Um, and they just started Big East play right where they left them in non-con. All right, second question for you. This one got a lot of love on there. Player of the year in the Big East right now. You got Justin Lewis, Colin Gillespie, or somebody else. And somebody else ended up with, like, 20%. I'm going uh, Justin Lewis. I, I, think, I think it's got to be Justin Lewis. Um, I think that, you know, he's just been incredible. He's unstoppable. He's, you know, an archetypical stretch four that's going to go to the NBA. Um, Colin Gillespie's been great, but he doesn't lead the stats in the same way as... Uh, Oh, it's Justin Lewis who averages more points per game, more rebounds per game. Yeah. Um, who else is even in the running for your time? I, I mean, I would have thought, you know, and, and again, this is why Big East is so great and so crazy. Coming into this week, I would have said Adama Sanogo is the second best player in the Big East because he was averaging 16-8 and eight with like three blocks a game. Like, he was that dominant. He has a bad week, gets into foul trouble. I'm like, oh, and Eric Dixon exposes them. I'm like, oh, drop Adama Sanogo out of there. I think Nate Watson on any given day, but then he comes up and has a zero-point performance. I know they still win that game. That's really impressive. This is an individual award. I, I sucks that uh, Javon Freeman Liberty's kind Javon of Javon Freeman Liberty kind of has no opportunity to really be there um, anymore. I think Justin Moore kind of doesn't – you know, I like Justin Moore a lot. I think Julian Champagny's bad shooting over those four games in a really important stretch where I think they went one and three hurt him. And the fact that the Johnnies are just – yeah. I think that um, Jared Roden would have been up there too, but he kind of followed a Julian Champagne arc. He went 
and just stop being able to shoot. Yep. So right now, I would I don't know who else is in it other than Lewis and Gillespie. RJ I think Cole went for twenty five points this week. Yeah. We talked about him last week. It was my, our stock up. He's kind of hitting his stride. Well, we're only what halfway through the Big East season, like a little bit more than halfway. I mean, we are still like we still have another month of really high level basketball that I'm really excited. Like things are going to change so much. I know somebody like said like we there's a lot of basketball left. Well, yes, but it's fun to discuss now. Who you know today? Who's the best team in the Big East? Who's the best player in the Big East? Every one of those players we just mentioned, Nate Watson can win this award, and we wouldn't be surprised. Justin Moore could win this award. I wouldn't be that surprised. Adama Sinoga or RJ Cole could compete for this award. I wouldn't be surprised. All these players are going to have an opportunity. I just think right now the leader in the clubhouse, Colin, or I think it's Justin Lewis, and then I think it's Colin Gillespie. And I think, I think that the Big East might do a little funny business, and I think we might see co-coaches of the year and co-players of the year again. I hated it. Three way co player of the year award last Sandro year. Sandro Mamashikfeli. <laughs> Mama. Kalashvili. Who I love. <laughs> Sorry, Sandro. And I love watching him play basketball. I'm not saying he's the one that should have been booted out. No, I just love his name. Like a, a little good bit opportunity, though. You know? Who was it? Julian Champagne, Sandro, no, no, no. It was Jeremiah Robinson, Earl Colin Gillespie, and. Uh, yeah. Sandro. And Sandro Mamukalashvili. Right. So that's what we got for Biggies. And then my last question this one also got a lot of love recently. I'm going to actually change the question because I think the overwhelming amount of people said that Marquette is the third best team in the Big East right now. Who is the fourth best team in the Big East? And that's assuming in no particular order, Providence, Nova, Marquette, the top three. Who do you have as the fourth best team in the Big East right now? So in the running, you got UConn, Xavier, and probably the Hall, maybe Creighton. Um, obviously, the Hall just went through a terrible stretch. I think the Hall and Creighton can't be in that same category. I and I know that, but they're they're not ranked. They I, I know we don't care all about what the. Are we AP talking says. about right now or um, no? Right now, that's what I can't. Okay, not talent level. Not where no we think talent level. Up. I think Seton Hall is the second best team in the Big East. Um, right now, looking at resume, I think it's Xavier, and I think it goes back to I think you kind of should have been dropped out of the rankings. Um, Xavier has a little bit better of a resume. They beat Virginia Tech, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, did they have a really, another really nice uh, non-con win? I'm looking it up. So, stall, 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 um, stall, 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 stall. Um, I, I kind of, I don't know. I think it's, I think like the um, people did this year, or the people, the AP voters did. It's kind of, um, they beat Ohio State. And yes, it, that's right. Paul Scruggs dunks on EJ Liddell to win the game. Yeah, they beat Ohio State. They've lost to Villanova, they, um, they beat Butler, they lost to Villanova, they beat Creighton, they beat DePaul, they lost to Marquette, they lost to Providence, they beat Creighton, they beat Butler, they lost to DePaul. So, obviously, there's a couple bad losses in there, which is why they're sitting at 25 instead of, you know, 15, where you think the team that beat Ohio State would be. Um, but I think Xavier has a better resume right now than UConn, and I think they're playing better basketball. Uh, they, you know, they threw up a stinker against DePaul. Yeah, I think it is so this is I mean, again, this just gets me excited about like this week because think about what we're going to be saying. And yes, we are rabid UConn fans. If UConn goes and beats Marquette, Xavier and St. John's, we're going to be sitting here going UConn's the third best team in the Big East. And we're going to be laughing about it. But if and if Xavier goes and beats Seton Hall and UConn this week, we're going to say Xavier is probably the third best team in the Big East. Like so much changes on every week, like going into this Xavier week, had this week? Uh, Xavier plays the Hall at the Hall and UConn at Xavier. So, yeah, two opportunities for quad one wins. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about just so much can change in a week. Um, the team that should be sitting back feeling real good right now is Providence doesn't have to play till Saturday, and they don't have to play anyone, and they play to Paul. Who else does the Hall have this week? Uh, Seton Hall plays Villanova, and they play um, Xavier. So, if they get two wins so this right week, in we that can... second tier, well, unless you want to consider Marquette in the second tier, and then so right in that tier between the Hall. Xavier and UConn, there's a lot of opportunity to move in this oh, coming week. And, and I think you have to put Marquette there because if UConn beats Marquette and they sweep Marquette and they beat them on their home floor and our home no, floor. You, yeah, UConn, UConn I think UConn and, has, um, Xavier. I think Marquette has a comfortable lead right now, but I, but I also can't be that comfortable because one game could change the entire thing for them. It's all going to be about who gets hot. Um, obviously, yeah. every team's kind of working on their stuff. I would love to see Bryce Haken come back. How is that going to change things for the Hall? Yep. Um, Xavier. I mean, Creighton has to get better every game because their freshmen are playing. So, I mean, you would think that Ryan Nemhart is going to get better. And Ryan Hawkins second. has been a revelation. Ryan Hawkins. Who had that coming? No, I, I mean, and if Cockburner's healthy, I mean, they were picked eighth, you know, and I know they're only at like four to five right now, but it's just so much in the Big East is fluid and changes a week to week. Um, that's why I'm like, want to preach like, 
be reasonable. If your team loses to a team you think they should have beaten, every team has done that this year. Um, with the exception of Providence, who's only lost to Marquette and um, Virginia. Out of Virginia. So they, they, I mean, looking back now, we think they should have beat Virginia, as Virginia hasn't had the best season. So every team has lost to a team that they think they should have beaten. Villanova beat, lost to Creighton. Blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're a Georgetown fan and don't think you should have beat anyone. That is true. Georgetown fans, if you go into every game with low expectations, um, that's kind of where you, you know, what you think. But it's, it's a long season for a reason. You know, your team's going to play about 32 games. We've played about 20 of them. So it's it's just all about who can sustain streaks and who can get hot at the right times. And, you know, coaches have to keep. The thing about college basketball is so different than the NBA is there's so much development in season because oh, yeah. these are kids. Um, so it's just about who can develop. Look at what Eric Dixon's done from the beginning. If I was going to tweet this out the other day, if you could do a most improved player from the start of the year to the end of the year, like like seeing where they came from, Eric Dixon has to win. I remember I clipped against the UCLA game that they put Eric Dixon in ball screens down the stretch repeatedly, and that's how yeah. UCLA ends up winning that game. Eric Dixon's mother game. actually commented on that. Said, <laughs> can you stop? Nice she said, <laughs> stop doing that. <laughs> uh, but Eric Dixon's turned into one of Eric- the best big men in the conference, and I love watching him play basketball because he can do anything. He steps out on you. He drains a three. He took a Donaldson go off the bounce. Yeah. Uh, absolute winner. He made a freshman look like a freshman was when Samson Johnson was guarding him for a while and I mean like at the beginning of the year if Samson Johnson was guarding Eric Dixon I've been like that's a wash well let's keep it moving yeah. now Eric Dixon is like oh god if Eric Dixon gets the ball here it's a layup there's a reason Jay Wright is playing him when Jay Wright doesn't play people he doesn't trust yeah. you know what I mean uh Eric Dixon's a real deal so, so let's wrap it up on Eric Dixon I mean that's exactly where I want to leave it too so again we appreciate all the love that we've gotten on the um, podcast please keep listening retweeting letting us know what we can improve you know we've heard We've reached out to so many people right now. We've heard so much from Providence Twitter. It seems to be the loudest Twitter right now, but just because they're really excelling and, you know, they have a great fan base. We keep reaching out. We're going to keep trying to talk about your team. Um, Send us a DM, retweet, like, do anything you can. Just continue to, you know, support us in any way possible so we can keep doing this, figuring out what we can do better. We're still, you know, we're still doing this on a phone in a spare bedroom. So we're trying to figure out exactly, you know, where this can go or what this can be. But, um, just the interactions we've had with you guys are great. Yeah, absolutely. It's a ton of fun for us. We love talking about college basketball. If you can't tell, that's what this is all about. So if you want to talk about college basketball in our mentions, you want to get in our comments, you want to DM us and tell us that we're assholes and this is why, I mean, we'll get a kick out of it. So thank you so much for everything. And pull up a stool and thanks for pulling up a stool.